Eatonville Saga, Season 4, Excelsior, mid-1988 through December 31st, 1989. Here's our storyteller, N.Y. Mathiri. Episode 12, Dorothy Turner Johnson and Cynthia Ann Scales, Establishers of Operational Excellence for the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community Incorporated, PEC. Looking back and reflecting upon the process our PEC team used to bring to life the first annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts, an apt description is, we functioned as a large ad hoc group, which then worked in smaller independent units to accomplish a specific task, each completed task then contributing to the ultimate goal. Just articulating the description, dear listener, conveys how creative, squirrely, our structure actually was. So in this episode, I want to explain how it was that our team was able to meet the challenge we faced. Two women, Dorothy Turner Johnson and Cynthia Ann Scales, were the driving forces for moving the needle, advancing the ball to the festival finish line. It was Dorothy Turner Johnson who made certain that the National College and University community actually learned of the festival, and most importantly, about the call for papers. You will remember, dear listener, that the call for papers was the foundation for the festival's academic conference scheduled for Friday and Saturday, January 26 and 27, 1990. Response to the call and participation by the scholarly community was absolutely essential if we were to have a meaningful conference. Of course, the members of the academics committee, Dr. Deidre H. Crumbly, co-chair with me, on faculty at Rollins College, and her colleague at Rollins, Dr. George C. Grant, Miss Beth Rapps, community activist, and Dr. Catherine Seidel, on faculty at the University of Central Florida, along with other members of the academy, including Dr. Seidel's colleague at the university, Dr. Kristen Congdon, as well as Dr. David Clawson at Valencia Community College, served as ambassadors, spreading the word about the new and exciting conference. But it was Dorothy Turner Johnson who made certain that the national community of academics received the message. And who was she? And here, let me pause, dear listener, to acknowledge Lorelei Anderson Francis, who has helped me to reconstruct how it is that I came to know Mrs. Johnson, which led in part to her volunteerism with PEC. Lorelei Anderson Francis had come to Orlando in 1980 as a new recruit, as a financial professional for a company then known as Martin Marietta. She came to know Dorothy Turner Johnson because of a disappointment. Here's the skinny. Lorelei was going to get married to Clinton Francis. The plan was for her to not renew the current lease of her apartment at Americana Villas, located on South Orange Blossom Trail, where, per Lorelei, Martin Marietta routinely referred their young African-American professionals. But instead, she would look for a short-term arrangement to last just before her marriage was to begin. Knowing of Lorelei's situation, a white co-worker 
who had a downtown Orlando apartment that she was going to be giving up soon, told Lorelai to go see the landlord about assuming the short-term lease. Lorelai said the apartment was very nice, a lovely two-bedroom place with large windows, a beautiful view of Lake Eola. But when Lorelai, who is African-American, came to seal the deal, the white landlord informed her that, alas, the apartment had just been rented. Faced with this reality, Lorelai then had to find lodging PDQ. As it happened, another co-worker, this time an African-American woman named Dewandalyn Norris, told her about a woman who lived in Bay Hill, an exclusive Orlando suburb, whom she might contact about renting a room. That woman was Dorothy Turner Johnson, a retired librarian from Ohio who had moved to Orlando so she could assist her sister, who was then living in a nursing home. Uh, Mrs. Johnson interviewed Lorelei, informed her that she could not have any gentleman overnight guests. Lorelei indicated she understood the rules and, as we say, the rest is history. Dorothy Turner Johnson was a Renaissance woman. She was a world traveler. It was not unusual, as Lorelei told me, to find a note that uh, Dorothy was off to Italy or to New York City. People seemed to be drawn to her. She was very active in the social life of Black Orlando. She was an AKA, one of the divine nine historically Black sororities and fraternities. She was a member of the Lynx, the prestigious and elite club of African-American women married to doctors, lawyers, and certain other distinguished men. She was active in the Black Women in Management Network, sponsored by Valencia College's Center for Continuing Education for Women. In an Orlando Sentinel article dated March 2, 1983, Vera Portier, a Center for Continuing Education for Women counselor and trainer, described the center's purpose as, quote, to assist and encourage each other and to achieve more effective and satisfying careers through the exchange of ideas and experiences. It was Lorelei who introduced me to her landlord. Mrs. Johnson invited me to her home for lunch and thus began a decades-long relationship. But in late 1988 and early 1989, she and I connected most immediately as librarians. As she learned about the festival, she understood immediately our task, our need to inform the national community of scholars. Now, before I tell you exactly what she did, dear listener, let's do a reality check. In late 1988, early 1989, there was no internet, no Google. What there was, was the printed materials which constituted reference resources. In order to access the gold mine of information contained in these publications, a user had to invest the necessary time and energy to unearth that information. And that is exactly what Mrs. Johnson did. She spent countless hours identifying the departments in colleges and universities where PEC should send the call for papers. And because of the breadth and depth of Zora Neale Hurston's body of work, these departments included African-American studies, American studies, anthropology, black studies, folklore, literature, and women's studies. Essentially, she used a chicken-in-every-pot approach, and because of her exhaustive efforts, PEC received more than 50 responses from around the nation. 
The responses to the call were vetted by a distinguished group of scholars who had volunteered to serve as the festival's academic conference jurors. And here, dear listener, I want to take the time to recognize each juror. In African American Studies, Dr. Portia Malsby served as the chair, she on faculty at Indiana University. Dr. Malefi Asante from Temple University. Dr. Haki R. Matabuti, Third World Press. Dr. James Turner, Cornell University. In Anthropology, Dr. Ira Harrison served as chair, he being from the University of Tennessee. Dr. John Stewart from the University of Ohio. Dr. Sheila Walker, College of William and Mary. Dr. Tony Whitehead, University of Maryland. In Folklore, Dr. David Clausen served as chair, he being from Valencia Community College. Dr. Ronald Foreman, University of Florida. Dr. Ricky Saltzman, Bureau, Florida Folklore Programs. And Dr. Kristen Congdon from the University of Central Florida. In Literature, Dr. Rosemary Kerb served as chair, she being from Rollins College. Dr. Trudier Harris from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Dr. Catherine Seidel from the University of Central Florida. And Dr. Stephen Caldwell Wright from Seminole Community College. And lastly, in Women's Studies, Dr. Mildred Hill Lubin served as chair, she being from the University of Florida. Joining her, Dr. Vivian Gordon, SUNY at Albany. Dr. Clenora Hudson, Prairie University AMM. Dr. Pat Scott Bell from Boston University. And once these scholars had completed their work, the academic conference panelists included scholars representing the following institutions. The University of Oklahoma, Elizabeth City State University, the University of Virginia, Brown University, Iowa State University, SUNY at Albany, California State University at San Bernardino, Memphis State University, Heidelberg College, Temple University, Université Sheikh Antediyah, Bucknell University, Rollins College, University of Michigan, University of Mississippi, Stetson University, Seminole State College, Manatee Community College, and Texas A&M. Dorothy Turner Johnson had set this standard. If you take responsibility for a task, you are to execute that task at the highest level possible. Operational excellence in real time. Now, Cynthia Ann Scales was a superwoman of another kind. It was she who established PEC as a professional presence in our then newly rented storefront located at 227 East Kennedy Boulevard in Eatonville. Previous to November 1989, dear listener, PEC had actually enjoyed a carefree existence. Namely, we had not had to grapple with establishing and maintaining a physical presence as an organization. You will recall that the second floor back area of Olin Library at Rollins College had served as our unofficial official meeting space. For almost two years, PEC had been able to operate effectively without having to pay rent, utility fees, and any other fees associated with general operating expenses. But with the fast approach of the first annual Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts, PEC needed a home base, 
and one located in Eatonville, preferably on the community's main street, Kennedy Boulevard. As it turned out, a local businessman, Cecil Allen, had just the right property. 227 East Kennedy Boulevard was perfect. Formerly Max Auto Repair, we called it Max Garage, 227, then empty, had been most recently used as a grocery store. It was approximately 1,400 square feet, divided into three main spaces. A small office space and a restroom located in the northwest part of the building, and a front space and a second back space located in the east-facing portion of the building. PEC would use that front space as a reception welcome area and the back larger space for internal operations. Off that back space was also a garage where Mr. Allen had parked his 1955 or 1957 Chevrolet. The good news was we were able to secure a space and at a really good deal. I believe the rent was $600 per month for November, December, January. We were only thinking through until the end of the festival, Sunday, January 28th, which in itself shows just how brand new we were. So that was the good news. But that was also the challenge because PEC, as then constituted, had zero experience as an organization. That is as defined by MiriamWebster.com as, quote, an administrative and functional structure such as a business or political party, unquote. To the rescue comes Cynthia Ann Scales, who, as a child, remembered Zora Neale Hurston from having seen her in church in Fort Pierce, Florida, her hometown. That is also where Zora is buried. But in 1989, I did not even know Cynthia Scales was from Fort Pierce. I had first met her at the University of Central Florida, where she was the administrative support and anchor for the university's Equal Opportunity Office, then under the directorship of Dr. Carol Searles. I had been retained, along with one other person, under an OPS, Other Personal Services, contract to conduct research and issue a report on the university's equal opportunity status. CS, as I was to come to call her, was the epitome of the university staffer whose responsibility it is to guarantee that faculty and or upper administration positions received all of the infrastructure support they require. CS agreed to work with PEC to get us settled. She oversaw our outfitting of our vacant building and transforming it into a welcoming and functioning facility, a welcoming and friendly front office, a functioning workspace in the back. This meant securing the necessary office equipment and furnishings with essentially no budget. Florida Desk, Copytronics, Leland's Office World, Aladdin Magic Movers, and Walt Disney World Property Control, these were the companies that helped us with furnishings. But there is more to having a professional presence than the right furnishings and equipment. CS ensured that our association, PEC, was also organized. Again, per MiriamWebster.com, that is methodical, neat, orderly, regular, systematic, and systematized. 
When a visitor, whether a business person or a community resident, came through the PEC doors, that person would receive the quality of attention befitting the best managed business. CS trained us to deliver first quality customer service. And when I say us, I'm referring to the cohort of volunteers who staffed the office during our advertised schedule of operating hours. To this day, dear listener, PEC employees know they are not to leave our administrative office with papers unprotected in their hands. Papers should always be enclosed in a folder and or an appropriate envelope. Cynthia Ann Scales did all of this while maintaining her day job at the University of Central Florida. Always impeccably dressed, ever the friendly and self-assuring voice, able to leap tall administrative hurdles, she, like Dorothy Turner Johnson, established operational excellence for P-E-C. End of episode 12. You've been listening to an Eatonville Saga. Executive producer, P-E-C. The Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. Podcast concept and storyteller, N.Y. Nathiri. Eatonville native and executive director of the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc., P-E-C. Produced and directed by Ken Moore. 2022 copyright by the Association to Preserve the Eatonville Community, Inc. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. If you would like to support our podcast by giving, you can give to PEC at www.give2pec.org. That's www.give2pec.org.